Wait a second. Wait a second, Richard. Wait for the intro. You're listening to America's Web Radio. It's time now for the classic car show. We're going to teach you one of these days. And Richard Lintonello. And here's Richard. Well, good morning, folks. Uh, Calling in from uh, Eastern Tennessee, where it's absolutely beautiful today. And uh, we're back. Last week I was in Florida for most of the week photographing cars for future issues of Crankshaft Magazine. And my sidekick, Tom Cox, is in Puerto Rico for the AACA Special Grand National that is being held outside of uh, one of the, uh, I guess, major cities there. I just went blank, so I forgot what's the name of the town. But uh, evidently they have a huge selection of automobiles there and uh, lots of original VW Beetles and uh, original low-mileage Japanese cars from the 70s and 60s. So Tom's going to check in a little while, and he will... uh, give us an update on what's going down down in Puerto Rico. But in the meantime, let's talk about uh, choosing a restoration shop. Because so many people, you know, most of us don't have the uh, skills or the knowledge or the wherewithal and the tools and the facilities to have a car restored. But uh, so we all need to have work done one time or another. So if, if you, if you want to have a car restored, uh, here are some tips. So what, this is what we're going to do. We're going to go step by step on what you should do and shouldn't do. So let's say you finally found the car of your dreams. It doesn't matter if it's a Packard, a Pontiac, Studebaker, Triumph, MG. First, you got to decide what kind of restoration do you want? Do you want a 100-point Concourse Perfect automobile? Or do you want a really nice street restoration? And that matters because not all shops specialize in a 100-point Concourse restoration of, you know, the Pebble Beach quality type where everything is absolutely perfect. In fact, so perfect that you're afraid to drive it. But uh, most shops... uh, do focus on street restorations and and what that is is that the car is you know completely restored it's just not everything is not picture perfect uh it would be hard to tell for the untrained eye to see the difference between the two but uh for those in the know they'd be easily to tell uh you know underneath the the undercarriage everything would be absolutely perfect the way it used to be and of course you know a 100-point restoration is going to cost way more than a street restoration. So you need to decide ahead of time because, like I said, there are different shops and each has their own different level of work quality. Now, to ascertain which restoration facility offers the best service and quality, you should visit several different shops during their working hours. This will give you a good idea of how a restoration shop operates and the skill level of its workforce. Uh... You want to see the people in action. You want to see the cars being worked on in action. And uh, you also want to uh, get some references from past customers and what it was like to deal with the shop and all that kind of jazz. And also you want to see the end product. Now, rule number one when you're looking for a restorer 
never, ever go to a local garage or body shop, even if they advertise a restoration service. A repair shop is totally different than a restoration shop. They're two different uh, entities. They're two different types of work. Uh, when you do restoration, you're totally disassembling a car, and you need lots of space, and you know you need the knowledge and special tools and things like that. Then, then a shop that just does you know tune-ups and things like that, even though they say, "Oh yeah, we do restoration," so you know you want to avoid them. Uh, they simply do not have the skill or knowledge necessary for such a job. Uh, you see that sometimes with collision work. They say, we do collision and restoration. Well, you know, you can't do the two in the same shop. It's just totally different uh, tasks. It's just totally different jobs. Totally different level of skill and talent. Uh, most collision shops don't have the faintest idea about the intricacies of a true restoration, especially if they assure you that there's nothing magical about it, because there is. Uh, you know, when you're doing restoration, you're also doing, you know, historical preservation. You're looking into what's correct, what isn't. You're not just painting everything blindly. Uh, you want to restore the car to the way it came off the assembly line. So always keep in mind that restoration firms are not body shops, and body shops are not restoration firms. There are two distinctly different types of businesses. Now also keep in mind that like any business that relies solely on a skilled workforce to produce a finished product, uh, a restoration business is very difficult to run due to the extensive use of hand labor. And all that hand labor always limits the cash flow for the proprietor. By understanding these numerous problems that a shop has to deal with, you'll be better able to comprehend why he has to perform certain tasks charge for each of those tasks accordingly and expect you to make payments promptly. A couple of years ago, I had the body rebuilt on my Triumph TR2. Uh, oh, excuse me, my Triumph TR3. And, uh, you know, I was billed every two weeks. And you have, you know, a few days to pay that bill. If not, uh, you know, work gets stopped on your car. And that's only fair because uh, if they're doing work for you and you're not paying them, why should they continue working on your car? Oh, Richard. So you got to keep all that in mind about that cash flow or the restoration shop. So if you have a better idea of how a restoration shop works and you work with them uh, accordingly, according to their rules, your job will get done uh, in a more timely manner. It will also get done, I'm not going to say that the quality is going to be any better, but they'll be more apt to... Uh, you know, make sure everything is absolutely correct because they see that you're into it, you're paying them, and, uh, you know, in the end, you probably may get, you know, a better product, but more importantly, you'll get the job finished on your car. Richard. And you'll get it done uh, in a more timely manner than if, if you stop payment and the car ends up in storage because then you're going to end up paying for storage and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Richard. But, uh Richard, excuse me yes, a second. Would you say that um, in a restoration shop, it's really a top-down situation? However, that guy at the bottom of the uh, the deck that's actually doing the work, he's as important, if not more so, than the the guy at the top of the heap. And you know, he has to know what he's doing. 
and then the one that's overseeing him has to make sure that he's doing it correctly. Would that be a fair statement? Oh, without a doubt. You know, uh, you have, whether it's just the shop owner or the shop manager, supervisor, uh, he's almost like the general contractor. And all the people work in the shop. You have one guy who specializes in disassembly, one guy who just does rust repair or metal fabricating, another guy who just does, you know, suspensions or brake rebuilds, mechanical stuff. So, yeah, you have, you know, uh, a whole army of workers at different skill levels. And, uh, you know, they all got to be kept busy. And the only way they could be kept busy uh, is you pay your bill promptly. So to get the best job for your money is the point to deal with a shop that specializes in your particular car make or model. Remember, no one knows everything there is to know about a particular car, all its parts, and everything else. Uh, and well, so the know, reality of the reality of that solved. statement, uh, Richard, the reality of what you just said may mean that either you have to take your car i mean if you're if you're in a big city like atlanta or new york or someplace else a big city might have the specialty for trs but if you're in a small town you may have to transport and take that into the expense of what it's going to cost you to get your car repaired or restored correct yes that's that's a very good point david that's an excellent point uh Let's say you're restoring a Pontiac, uh, and you want to have your Pontiac GTO restored. Uh, Because you live out in the country and you're not near a big city, and there's no Pontiac specialist near you, don't fall into the trap of having, you know, the local restoration shop who does all kinds of cars work on your car. Uh, if, if, If you're looking for a top quality restoration that is authentically correct and factory correct, Factor in having your car shipped to a Pontiac specialist, and there are several around the country. Uh, yeah, it may cost you an extra fifteen hundred dollars or two, three thousand dollars for the shipping and transporting of the car, but in the end, it's going to be worth it. In fact, it'll probably be cheaper in the long run for your restoration, because when you deal with a restoration shop that specializes in your brand of car, they know every detail about that brand. They know every detail about that particular model. For instance, there are shops that only specialize in GTOs. Now, imagine a shop that doesn't. They don't know how to take certain things apart, and they're going to learn on your dime. They're charging you for every minute. Meanwhile, the shop that specializes in GTOs, they've done that you know task a million times. They know exactly what to do. They got the correct tools. They got everything set up. And in the long run, it's going to be cheaper for you because they don't need to work as long to get things done but uh i had you know going back to my tr3 i went to a shop uh macy's garage in ohio who does only trs they don't do spitfires they don't do stags they only trs and uh you know they work on those cars every single day they know exactly you know how to how to take apart a weld into certain panels or what's the correct process of putting the floor pans in versus the outer rocker the inner rocker and how the factory did it did they overlap this seam did they underlap this seam is it welded here is it tig welded is it mig welded is it spot welded you know 
you want it done correctly the way the factory did. And the only way you could get that if you specialize, if you go to a specialized shop that only works on your brand of car or your particular model. And there are shops out there. You just got to do your work. You know, again, uh, join a car club. Talk to people who uh, had their cars restored and which shops specialize in what. And uh, you'd be surprised. It makes a huge difference when you deal with a specialist, especially a specialist who knows only your kind of car. Uh, and remember, when you're dealing with non-specialists, uh, it's going to cost longer. It, it, it's going to take longer for the job to get done, and it's going to cost you longer because they're charging you more. They're charging you for every hour, every minute that they're working on your car. And uh, in the end, the result would not be the same quality of dealing with a specialist. So, you know, there's a lot of things to consider when you're choosing a restoration shop. But when you found that shop that you think is the absolute, you know, ideal shop to work with, uh, the ideal shop to work on your car, don't be afraid to ask questions to the shop owner about his experience, what techniques they use, Pop your head in a few times before you bring your car so you could actually see what's going on. Uh, you know, you want to see different tasks that they're doing, whether it's, you know, metal fabricating or painting. Do they have a spray booth? Do they have media blasting cabinets? You know, what is their equipment like? And the more equipment you see, then you know that these guys are legit. Uh, Take the time to inspect the workshop. Take a detailed look at the work being performed on the cars on the restoration. Now, like I said, the ideal restoration facility will have all the necessary tools and equipment needed to carry out its work. And the reason they do that is to carry out the work they need to do in the most efficient manner with the best results. Uh, again, you know, a quality professional restoration shop will have a spray booth. Okay, Richard, well, you we need do to that take a break. Not only hire quality paint work, but uh, dealing with the EPA today. Okay, we need so to take a break. That's important. Are we about to take a break? Yes, sir. Okay. If you want the truth about politics, medicine, weapons, classic cars, and more, you'll want to tune in to America's Web Radio. You can listen to all of your favorite shows live at www.americaswebradio.com or on demand on iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. That's www.americaswebradio.com. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. 
J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. J.C. Taylor. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. All right, folks, uh, let's get back to that restoration. Now, here's one of the most important things I've heard through the years from people, uh, one of the most important questions, and they go, how much will it cost me to restore my car? Well, any shop that gives you a set price ahead of time, run. It ain't going to happen. There is just no way that anybody could restore a car for a set price because they just don't know what they're getting into. The restorer doesn't have x-ray eyesight. He simply cannot judge the amount of rust and body repair that might be required without disassembling the entire car Mm -hmm. and inspecting every component, you know? Uh, He just doesn't know the the condition of the differential and and, uh, the engine and all those things. And uh, because he cannot foresee every single problem, Restorers have a clause in their contract that states an additional charge will be incurred if work, extra work is required, but usually the top shops will charge an hourly rate. So you got to be prepared because that will definitely uh, add up through the years. But it sounds like we have Tom Cox on board, do we? Hola, amigos, from San Juan, oh. Puerto Rico. And how's life in San Juan? Está? The AACA meet. Yes, indeed. Bien, gracias y tú. So, Tom, tell us what's going on. Oh, just a great time. A lot of wonderful vehicles uh, over here uh, and uh, exceptionally well-restored stuff, uh, amazing stuff. A lot of stuff that you don't necessarily see in the States, too. Uh, A lot of Japanese uh, vehicles. Uh, they have a great Toyota museum over here, which is filled with uh, 70s and earlier Toyotas. Uh, even have a uh, Toyopet 1958, which is one of the uh, predecessors to the Toyota brand that we know today. And uh, it's just great stuff. And the weather is wonderful. We wish you and David were here. Yeah, next time. <laughs> I, I, I would love to go there. I was in uh, San Juan many years ago, and it's a beautiful city, and the people are very friendly, and the food is fantastic. <laughs> food is wonderful, and interestingly enough, it's less expensive to eat out here than it is back stateside. I was shocked. I didn't remember that. I, this is my fourth time being out over here, and I, that's one thing I just didn't remember. But uh, they've got great cars, a lot of uh, a lot of different cars. You know, there's some uh, JDM cars, Japanese uh, domestic market cars over here that you don't necessarily see buzzing around. Really, really exciting stuff. Could have used oh, your great. photography tips this morning. Well, you know, we were talking about dealing with restoration shops, and we haven't gotten to the photography stuff. 
yet. So I'm, but, uh, I'm, I got here in time. You got here in time. How long are you going to be with us? Or do you have to get back to judging or is judging done? I'm just going to hang out here for a little while with you guys and I may have to drop off. And if I do, I will say ciao. Uh-huh. And depart okay. gracefully. You know, we were talking about dealing with restoration shops and how restoration shops are different than body shops and collision shops. It's totally different, you know, and, and how to work with restorers and paying your bill on time and which is the best restorer that you want to deal with, a guy who does everything or a specialist who deals only in, let's say, Hudson's, you know, uh, because in the end you get a better quality product from a guy who actually knows those cars in an intimate level. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, charging a flat rate, we were just talking about that for restoration, uh, never works out because a restorer can't tell, you know, all the hitting problems and issues he's going to meet as he disassembles the car. So shops that charge you on a per-hour basis, you know, that's the way to go. And, yeah, it will probably cost you more in the long run, but you're going to get a job that is done correctly, you know. Uh, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, uh, you know, I know a lot of people um, have their thoughts about restora- restoration shops and restorers. And, you know, generally speaking, you only hear the stories of the owners who had issues with a restorer or a restoration shop. But, but rarely do you hear the other side of, at the restoration shops who had really significant issues with owners. So I, I think you have to keep in mind that it, it goes both both ways. And I, I've always told people to, you know, communicate with the restoration shop, talk to everybody ahead of time, talk to people who have used them, and just like you said, find someone who has experience with what you're, what you're working on. Um, triumphs, for instance. So, but right. I, I totally, I totally agree with you. And if you expect to spend ten thousand dollars, expect to spend fifteen thousand dollars. Everything is always, you know, conservative in, in your mind. Whether it's they give you an estimate, whether you have an idea of what it's going to cost, typically it's always going to cost more than what you think it's going to cost. And if you got always. that in your head up front. You're not dis- not as disappointed and upset about it when it happens. You know it's coming. <laughs> right, right. And, you know, one of the problems when you deal with a, a shop that gives you a set price, they're going to cut corners. For instance, if they come across a fatigued flex brake line and they know that they already, you know, have spent too much time working on the car, they're not going to replace that brake line. But if you're dealing with a shop that charges you on a per-hour basis, they're going to replace everything that needs to be replaced. So your car will also be safer in the long run. So, uh, you know, there's lots of pros and cons. And, uh, again, when you're dealing with a shop, you got to give them a deposit because they're going to need to start ordering parts for your cars and, you know, chemicals to do certain paintings and, you know, refinishing. And, uh, again, you got to pay your bill whether it's weekly or bi-weekly, because it's only fair to the shop owner because he can't keep putting out all the money just to keep working on your car when he has other cars to work on. And he has, you know, bills to pay, overhead, uh, you know, 
all the workers he has to pay and workman's comp and, you know, everything's involved. So insurance. So there's a lot to consider when you're dealing with a shop and uh, you need to take into consideration how they work and what they need to do to keep in business and stay in business. So maintaining a good relationship uh, with whomever you're having do your work is, is key. If, if you're confrontational, if you drive them crazy, uh, you know, you don't want to find yourself in a uh, situation where you're not getting along well with the shop. It just sets a bad tone. Most shops and most of the people that works in, work in those shops want the product to turn out well. They want you to be happy. They want good things to happen. That doesn't mean that, you know, you just give them a blank check and that you don't monitor what's going on. Um, again, you can avoid a lot of your issues and problems if you talk to people who have already worked with the particular shop so that they you know and understand that they have a track record that you can count on and that they're all experienced. I know there's a nose. And it, it's interesting. I know some people want to use, prefer to use shops that have individual experts uh, working on various components, body, engine, so forth. And then there are occasionally shops that one guy does everything. Um, I know a, a guy by the name of Jeremy Turner, Maple Hill Restorations, uh, about two hours north of me. And Jeremy's been doing it for, I don't know, as long as I can remember. And he has some of the best award-winning Mustangs and other cars I've ever seen. I mean, every vehicle he's restored practically has won national notoriety. Um, whether, you know, AACA Grand National, special awards, things of that nature. And, but Jeremy only does one car at a time. That's it. He's got quite a, quite a waiting list. Okay. You know, there's a, Everyone there's has an, their own comfort level. Now, Tom, there's there. an old saying that, uh, you know, you make one person happy and they'll tell five. You make one person mad, and they'll tell ten. And I think this holds true in restoration. Richard, are you still there? Tom. Yes. I didn't know if you heard me or not. I, we weren't taking a break. I was just throwing in that the old saying, you make one person happy, they'll tell five. You make one person mad, and they'll tell ten. And I think that holds very true in restorations. Agreed. Isn't that the truth? Yep, I agree. So, back to you all. And actually, we'll go ahead and take a quick break, and we'll be back to Richard and Tom right after this. Since the 1960s, J.C. Taylor has been America's premier specialty insurance provider for classic cars, antique autos, modified, and custom vehicles. Our customers have trusted us to protect their prized possessions for more than six decades. For more information, or to receive a quote, contact our expert team today by calling 888-ANTIQUE or by visiting our website at jctaylor.com slash awr. That's 888-268-4783. 
or visit jctaylor.com slash awr drive through time with peace of mind jc taylor when it comes to car magazines are you tired of reading about mega dollar collector cars you can't afford or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you then crankshaft is the car magazine for you crankshaft is a 144 page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories the type of car features you won't find anywhere else it features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. All right, folks. Uh, one more thing we got to talk about uh, regarding restoration. When you're dealing with a shop, yes, the shop has insurance. But you should make sure that your car is also insured for its full value. Because sometimes... Restoration shops do have issues. It could be a hurricane. It could be a fire. And maybe your car is not fully insured to its full value. So make sure your car is insured. And you want to also make sure that you're documenting the restoration. Tons of photos. Pop in all the time, as much as you can, if you can. If not, have the restorer take lots of photos of the restoration. So uh, when you sell your car at a later date, you could prove that all the work was done. So uh, that's just another tip. Uh, Tom, do you have any tips dealing with restoration well, you know, shops? I do, actually. Uh, and that is to, you know, not that you're ever going to need it. Knowledge is power, as they always say, but know how the laws in your particular state work with regard to estimates and deposits. They're not universal. They vary from state to state. But estimates, for instance, and this is the exception rather than the rule, but I have received over the last couple of years um, several phone calls from people who had taken their car into a particular restoration shop. They'd received a estimate on what the job would take to complete. And this goes back to what Rich said earlier about, you know, going by the hour versus by the job. But these were people who were on limited income, retired folks, having a car restored that they wanted to enjoy in their retirement. They sent the car into the restoration shop with an estimate, you know, we're going to give you the basic job for $100,000. And then, as things went on, it ended up being $150,000, $175,000. The people found it difficult to pay for the pay for the car restoration, and then the shop initiated what's called mechanics lien, and ended up taking title to the vehicle from these people, and they lost their money, and they lost their car. But in the state of Virginia, there are laws that say that your 
final cost or final billing cannot exceed X percent of the estimate. And in so doing, I was able to talk to those people and then talk to their attorney, and they were able to get their car back. So it pays to, to know what's going on. Now, the court laid out the rules for them to pay. In other words, the, the restoration shop didn't get, get hosed either, but uh, they invalidated the mechanics lane. So it pays to know... You know, in other states, I think in Pennsylvania, for instance, um, you know, if you put down a deposit on work to be done, technically that deposit is supposed to go towards materials and not to labor. Um, so it works differently in each situation. You hope you never have to use that knowledge. Um, and then, of course, on top of it, there are attorneys that specialize in, quote, unquote, collector car law and uh, they're relatively familiar um, with all of the things that I've been talking about and then some others on top of that. So good to stay stay abreast of what's going on. Not that you're going to have a problem. You're probably going to have a great experience but knowledge is power so you want to know what to do if you have to do something. Right. And you know always remember a fine high quality restoration is substantially more than just cosmetics. It goes beyond what you see. So uh, there's a lot involved. It's very time-consuming. And uh, in the end, if you do your homework, uh, you'll have a car that you'll be proud of and a car that will be safe and reliable and durable to drive. So, uh, yeah, just do your homework. And like we said many times, join a car club. Talk to people beforehand. They will know who to deal with and people to stay away from. There's a lot of, I don't want to call them thieves, but there's a lot of uh, shady characters out there, shall we say. So you want to avoid that. <laughs> yeah, you want to avoid the shady Virginia. <laughs> No, 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 no. Let me tell you. I think they're all in Tennessee now. <laughs> yeah, I think they're all in Tennessee. <laughs> oh, boy. <clears throat> But, but yeah, but that, I do. That, I, that, that Toyota museum that you were just talking about in San Juan, uh, what kind of Toyotas do they have? They have them going way back? All the, the way back to, uh, uh, back to the 50s. Uh, uh, wow. Toyo Pet, 1958 Toyo Pet Crown, uh, which was the predecessor. Uh, it has still has a crank start option on it. In 1958, which is pretty cool. Also has a uh, four-door with suicide doors, which is kind of cool, too, and actually pretty helpful for a small car, relatively small car like that. I was really impressed at how easy it was to gain access to the car because it had that suicide door configuration on that car. But just amazing things, uh, you know, no disrespect, I am a Japanese car owner, I'm a Japanese car collector, so I'm not disparaging anyone, like I regularly disparage Richard and his British cars, but the the Japanese cars are known to rust. <laughs> they rust, yeah, they do. And, gosh, 
you know, they sold really well back in the 70s during the gas crisis. They were everywhere, you know. Celica GT liftbacks, you know, in bright yellow, uh, steel-styled wheels. Great-looking cars, but now you really don't see them. And you almost never see them at shows. Stepping into that museum, I was like stepping back into my teenage years because there's so many cool cars that I saw all the time. It was like taking a, a walk down memory lane in there. Um, Tercels, Celicas, Supras, and Rollies. probably the, the biggest collection of land cruisers I've ever seen in one place in every body configuration. Just absolutely um, outstanding. And then there was a car there that I had knew about, but I really didn't remember. And it was the uh, uh, Toyota 800 Sport, which was oh, Toyota's yeah. very first uh, foray into actual sports cars. But boy, is it small. I, I, it, I'm always shocked, but I don't think you could fold yourself in that thing. It's that car so tiny. It, it looks like a Cadillac. Oh, it does. I, I mean, <laughs> I see the engine, 40, 40 horse, I think, it, uh, twin cylinder directly opposed. Um, this is a little tiny air-cooled motor up front. But uh, that car would go 90, 90 miles an hour. Not that I would ever want to go 90 miles an hour in that car. I mean, maybe it feels great, but, I mean, it is really small, tiny, tiny car. Um, I'm sitting here as we speak and walk it, watching a uh, uh, probably about a 75 Datsun D210 uh, roll onto the show field. That's just not something you see stateside. A B210, my God, I haven't heard that word in years. Huh. Yeah. That's funny. And in mint, wow. mint, mint condition. Great original car. Yeah, the guys in Puerto Rico, man, they're so car crazy and they're so enthusiastic. And they do great work, uh, so you gotta you gotta applaud them. That's fantastic. They have a couple of shows over here that you know most are probably unaware of, and I'm actually thinking about coming back for. But they have a couple of annual shows here on the island that regularly bring in well over a thousand cars. Really? Just yes. Wow! Amazing! Wow! Um, oh, I gotta really check that out stuff. one day. I think so. A future uh, Crankshaft magazine coverage. <laughs> yeah, we were in Florida last week, so uh, that isn't too far from Florida. Maybe another hour or so. So, uh, yeah, we'll definitely look into uh, heading to Puerto Rico one day for a car show. It's great to meet different and people that, and see what they got. Well, uh, the hospitality here has been nothing but fabulous. I. I haven't been treated this well since I was in New York City during college, and I mean that. <laughs> I mean, wow. everybody, but everybody has gone out of their way to help with everything. They can't do enough for you. Thank you enough for being here. It's incredible. Just a wonderful, wonderful experience. So, so yeah, the next time something comes here, you decide you're coming over here to the car show, I might have to tag along. You never know. Huh. Okay. We'll definitely keep that in mind. Speaking of car shows, we got the Greenbrier coming up in two weeks. Yes, only two weeks. 
going to be a great event. I, I love going to the Greenbrier. I love being a part of that show. Um, I was in on the free. original plan, plan for free. it. Oh, and it's free. It's free. Just yeah, like uh, today's, down, it's free. <laughs> today's AACA show. Absolutely free and open to the public, just like every Antique Automobile Club of America show that's there. Um, it's written into our bylaws. So all of our shows are open and accessible to the general public. Yeah, the Greenbrier is going to be great. We've got some wonderful uh, cars lined up for the event. We've got some great events going on. We've got Saturday is Cars and Coffee. Sunday is Concours. And there's something really special if you've not heard of the Greenbrier or you've never seen the Greenbrier. Look it up online. Look up Greenbrier Concours online. And it's just an amazing backdrop for a show. It's just cool. Uh, there's a few things more preservation state, right? Oh my gosh, yeah. Uh, preservation, preserved original cars are the featured mark, so to speak, and the it's been overwhelming, the response has. And there, we actually had to stretch the size of the show field to try to accommodate some of these cars. They were just so good, we just didn't want to turn them away. We're, we're relatively limited in terms of space over there, so usually we try to limit to about nine. 85 to 90 cars, and, and we're stretching, bursting at the seams. It's going to be great. It's going to be fun, and, and you and I are both going to be there. Yes, we'll be judging, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a crankshaft booth, so you can see the magazine and all that jazz. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good event. We're looking forward to it, and it's in two weeks in White Sulphur Springs, West Virginia, just over the border from Virginia, so not far from Roanoke. So come on down, folks. Oh. Come on up. Yeah. Those people that are going to be there, so they're probably going to want to take a lot of great pictures. So you are, over the, have over the years, as I told you the other, other day, I know you've always thought of yourself first and foremost as a writer, but you also have an art background, and you want a heck of a photographer, too. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, you know, I use my Kodak Instamatic. I put the little bulbs on top, you know, and you get four shots of each bulb. And then if that doesn't work, I use my old Polaroid, and, you know, I pull out the photos. <laughs> the land camera, the Polaroid land, the land camera. I had one of those. <laughs> yeah, you know, when it comes to photography, uh, you just, wow. Boy, crazy I, somebody you are, huh? I, no, people having fun as they're driving in. On that, gentlemen, let's take our last break. Okay. We'll be when back. When it comes to car magazines, are you tired of reading about mega-dollar collector cars you can't afford, or endless reporting on auctions and how-to tech stories that don't interest you? Then Crankshaft is the car magazine for you. Crankshaft is a 144-page softcover quarterly filled with all sorts of fascinating stories, the type of car features you won't find anywhere else. It features American and foreign cars, pre- and post-war era cars of distinction including sports cars, muscle cars, and regular family sedans too. To discover what many car enthusiasts are saying is the best car magazine ever published, you can purchase either a single copy for $12.95 plus $3 postage, or a one-year subscription, four issues, for $59.95. To order your copy, go to www.crankshaftmagazine.com. 
That's www.crankshaftmagazine.com. Hi, this is Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio. Uh, just talking to you about antique car insurance. I think that uh, if you're looking for the best coverage for your classic car, call J.C. Taylor today for a competitive quote on collector car insurance. Give your most prized possessions the attention that they deserve. You'll receive agreed value coverage, giving you the peace of mind to know you're always protected. J.C. Taylor has been supporting the hobby with reliable service that has lasted for six decades. Call 888-ANTIQUE or visit jctaylor.com slash awr to get a quote today. That's 888-268-4783 or visit jctaylor.com slash awr. Drive through time with peace of mind. And now, back to the classic car show on America's Web Radio with Tom Cox and Richard Lentinello. All right, folks, we were talking about photography. So uh, if, you know, everybody wants some nice photographs of their cars, and, uh, you know, I always hear people say, oh, what camera you shoot with? Well, the camera has nothing to do with it, to be honest with you. Uh, it's the photographer. It's the understanding of light and the understanding of the proper location and color contrast between the car and the background. Uh, you know, when, when, when that shutter opens, you know, the camera doesn't, you know, it, it, it doesn't know, the image doesn't know whether it's in a Canon, a Nikon, a Pentex, a Fuji, a Sony, it doesn't matter. I shoot with Pentex and always have my whole life. Uh, and I just always have incredible results. But it's the understanding of light. You know, you don't want to shoot in the middle of the day because you get the sun overhead, you get harsh shadows. You want to shoot early morning, depending on the color of the car, or late afternoon. Uh, I always shoot, you know, try to shoot late afternoon, early evening. You get that sweet light, and the sun is lower in the sky, so you get less harsh shadows. You know, you never want to shoot a car in grass, no matter what anyone says. Avoid grass because it's a fake setting. Cars do not drive on grass. You want to put a car in the natural environment, which is asphalt. Well, you know, it could be a gravel road, but not grass. It just looks phony. Uh, you also don't want to shoot a car in front of a fountain or a mansion because what happens is your eye goes, when you look at the photograph, your eye goes to the fountain. It goes to the mansion. You know, you don't want to do that. You, The car is the star. You want to focus on the car, and you want to make the car the prominent uh, feature in that photograph. So that's important. You want to watch, you know, you don't want to shoot a beautiful Duesenberg or, you know, a Hudson in front of a chain link fence. You know, you got to do some scouting before you uh, photograph the car and scout the area. You know, uh, if the car is black, you don't want to shoot in front of a black building. There's no contrast. So uh, you also got to watch reflection. Because if you're shooting a car, it has a beautiful background, but behind you is a bright yellow building. That yellow building is going to be in the reflection down the side of the car, and you won't be able to get it out with Photoshop or anything else. So, uh, you know, you just got to watch your surroundings. You got to look before you shoot. And if you got to keep moving the car, do that. Also, keep the tires, the front wheels straight or turn them away from you. Never turn the wheels toward you. And I've seen that so many times because you're looking at a big black hole you're looking at the tire who wants to see the tire you want to see the wheel you know 
And speaking of wheels, when you shoot the interior of your car, make sure the steering wheel is absolutely straight. Because when you're going down the road, that steering wheel is straight. You want to show the readers how it looks, you know, when you're driving it. You know, a steering wheel that is twisted, you know, 40 degrees, it's just, it's sloppy. Art is in the details. So, uh, you know, also if you have aftermarket floor mats, take them out. You know, uh, remove the keys from the ignition. You don't want to see keys hanging. You want to show the car the way, you know, it should be shown. Uh, without any distractions. So, uh, yeah, there's a lot to consider. I guess the best thing to do is look in quality magazines, see how they photograph cars, and just duplicate it. You know, keep trying. And the fact that today there's no film, it's cheap. You just keep shooting. So sometimes when I photograph a car, I take three, 400 photographs. And uh, you'd be surprised how many of them are no good for one reason or another. So uh, there's a lot to consider, but uh, practice makes perfect, as Tom will tell you. Practice makes perfect. Right, Tom? I Hey, I've got to pull my brownie out and, and refill the film in it at least three or four times before I can get everything right. <laughs> Thank God for cell phones, I'm telling you. And the quality of cell phone cameras has actually improved significantly um, over the years. And, you know, I am not a photographer um, at all. But I will have to say, once in a while, I can really pull off a great shot using my cell phone camera. Um, mostly, yeah. by acci- mostly by accident. I just get lucky, okay? <laughs> I'm not that <laughs> talented art- artist like you. But, you know, I, I'm forever grateful because all I do is snap pictures of I've got 50 gazillion car pictures in fact I I don't know I've probably got 30 memory sticks with photographs on them I probably won't live to see all the rest of them you know Um, and and that's another thing to bring up you know it's just like anything else you know you want to keep your best photographs organized in a place where you can refer back to them whether you're doing it for uh, restoration reference purposes or whether you're just doing it to sit back and reminisce about the shows that you've been to or the cars that you've owned um, and I am guilty as sin at junking up my hard drive my phone and everything else because I never take the time to, to categorize it all I'm just one of those people that you know I had a messy desk I know where it's at know where everything is but same thing with the photographs i think people would enjoy it a whole lot better and i would enjoy it a whole lot better if i had some order to it all yeah it it, it is a time-consuming task to go through your photographs after you photograph a car uh you know you want to get rid of the photos that are soft or too dark too light and then like you said categorize them make different folders this is the folder for my hudson's this is the folders for my triumphs this is the folders for jaguars so yeah uh you definitely want to be organized so in the future you may need them for something uh you can retrieve them but uh you know using your cell phone is the perfect uh camera so when you're having your car restored you could pop into the restoration shop and just bang off you know 60 70 photos of your car being restored and when you get home, you know, transfer them over to a hard drive or something. So uh, cell phones work great, especially in that kind of atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah. 
427 Corvette just drove by. Might have heard the caught the sound. Um, uh, was, was it a mid-year? Yes, a beautiful car. You would have loved it. Nice. You would have been taking taking high quality photographs of it. The uh, as opposed to me. <laughs> so, um, curiosity killed the cat. You know, uh, I've always liked photographs. Uh, sometimes with the headlights on or with the taillights on. I mean, the best taken in the morning or in the evening doesn't matter. And I wonder why I like that so well, you know? I, I guess that's just a matter of taste. Uh, but as well, you say, you it know, tends to represent the vehicle in its operating state. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes when you photograph a car, like right after a storm, or maybe if a storm is coming and you got these, you know, dark clouds and makes good contrast, uh, those images are always more engaging. They're more, you know, exciting to look at than shooting a car in bright sun in the middle of the day. But, uh, you know, practice makes perfect. Keep trying. Uh, and the most important thing, when you go, if you're going to photograph your car, make sure it's clean. So many times I show up at a photo shoot, the guy never vacuumed the car. The windows have smudge marks all over it. He hasn't dusted it in 30 years. I mean, it's amazing. The car's got to be clean and detailed. Uh, photographs do lie, but you want to make sure your car is clean inside and out. So, uh, you know, again, art is in the details. So keep that well, in mind. Ha- having some- Having something well detailed will really make it pop. Um, I was just talking to a couple of people yesterday. Um, they're trying to sell off some cars from a family collection. I, I just told them, I said, you know, take some time. Go online because you don't want to hear it from me and figure out exactly what the best way to photograph your car is, you know, what the best ways to photograph your car are. And so that it pops. Make sure it's detailed nicely. Make sure it looks really good. Make sure it's clean. You know, it's, it's nothing different than going on to the show field. Like today, for me, there's certain cars you'll be walking along, and the ones that are finely detailed, they just pop. It's like they're plugged into the wall, and the others aren't. And right, and you can see those cars, you know, for, from ten feet away. Because it makes that much of a difference. But, um, yeah, and, and detailing includes cleaning the tires. You know, a lot yes. of people forget about without, the tires. So, but without slathering them with all that tire gel, you know, go yes, for no. a natural look. Yes. Yeah, you don't I want always part prefer, of the pony. No. I've always particularly liked to use Vinyl X products. I've, I've always felt like they leave more of a natural finish, uh, whether it's just Vinyl X for vinyl, vinyl and rubber or Vinyl X for, for leather. Uh, I've just always liked it. I'm not a big fan of Armor All at all. Oh, no, that stuff has alcohol in it. It's no good. Hey, it dries out, stuff sticks to it. And then yeah. you know you get an appearance that really isn't isn't natural at all. Just doesn't look great. No. Um, but yeah, I see here we've got a, a forty-nine Desoto Woody out on the field wow. here. That's a really unusual vehicle too. I mean, even on even stateside, that's an unusual vehicle. 
Wow. Pretty cool what stuff. kind of condition I'll, I'll is it? It must be. Oh, yes. Today, <clears throat> all the cars on on this field today have already been previous award winners. So everything we're looking at today oh. is top notch, tip top of the top, best of the best, right. and uh, and it's there. But it's uh, it's good looking. Just a, a nice show field of, of some really, really, really great, great, great cars. And uh, so when, so when is the next? When is the next AACA event in Puerto Rico? Is it every year, every other year, every five years? When is the next one? You know, it, they're hoping to have another one sometime in the next three years. Okay, guys, we got to wrap okay. it up. That's all for now. All right, and Rich folks, says, get well, off the couch. <laughs> get off the couch and do something with your life. Restore a car. Have fun. <laughs> All right, folks. See you next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.